Gaming NBS Episode 10, Mistakes Were Made. Welcome aboard. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. And I can't believe we made it to 10, Sean. That's pretty cool. Double digits, my friend. Double digits. And now we're going to pod fade. <laughs> totally. Ooh, just well, fall is off. It, is it pod fading if you tell everybody? Oh, no. Oh. I think that's pod, that's for, pod for, forecast fading? I don't know. So, yeah, episode 10. It's 10 dedicated weeks of banter and and nonsense gaming stuff heavy on the bs heavy on the bs right a little of the gaming heavy on the bs yes sir that's how we roll let's get into announcements shall we so friends of the show page on website drop us a line we have a guest book there if you'd like to go over and just kind of drop you know hey you, you know you don't even have to put anything in there just go there put hello and then hit enter um but it's growing. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll, I'll talk about that and highlight a couple people um, that has that deserve some shout-outs. Uh, another big announcement, though, uh, this is the big one. We've posted it in some of our threads on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Google+. But I uh, had talked to Alex from GameholeCon, and negotiated a quite a complex deal i mean we were at the bargaining tail table for quite a while but you we totally wrecked our legal fund dude we are I know, out i don't you know if we anything comes up next year we get sued again it's just we don't have it we're gonna have to dig deep it's gonna be tough but we are the official podcast of game hole con 3 in 2015 Yay. Yay. so i always want to stipulate 2015 <laughs> Because yes. after we do it, we may not be the official we, podcast. We may be asked never to show up again. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, uh, game. We're obviously we've brought it up. We've interviewed Alex. We talked a little bit about it briefly last week. How we are big fanboys of Game Hole Con. I can confirm the numbers are out. I actually posted them. Game Hole sent them out, but they went over seven hundred and fifty attendees, registered attendees for the con. Um, they said with everybody, like all the guests, all the comp badges. I didn't get a comp badge. Did you, by the way? No. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay, though. Honestly, I w- it was worth every penny. I didn't mind. All right. I, I kind of mind, but well, that's, uh, I don't <laughs> and know. And now we're no longer the official then podcast. Then we're not the official people. podcast. I wonder if he's going to comp our badges next year. Like, hey, by the way, oh, you guys didn't mention that in the contract. <laughs> oh. So, uh, so next year... Uh, hope you can attend. They're going to be moving. I imagine they're going to probably exceed a thousand attendees. Um, but I, I forgot to mention. So with the comped badges, all the guests, uh, all the um, probably people in the exhibit hall, um, they probably are like 800, 900 people. So next Easy. year, yeah, next year they're going to be a thousand. So, um, so Brett and I will work that out over the next coming year. But uh, 
we'll probably do like a show in the morning, I'm guessing, maybe a show in the evening, feature some of the guests that are going to be there. Um, so you can kind of tune in even if you can't make it. And if you can, maybe you wake up in the morning, hear the show from the evening before, highlight some games, get some people in there to talk about it. So yeah, and we'll maybe even just pull you off of the out of the hallway and just go, here, come here and talk into this mic. You never know. Never know. All right. Any announcements on your end, Brett? No, nothing big. That was a cool one. It's, it's uh, you know, we're just two guys who like to bullshit about gaming and have a good time. So <clears throat> it's kind of cool. Alex was uh, going to let us do that stuff. So yeah. I appreciate that, Alex. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I turned around really quick. I'm like, hey, I was just thinking, didn't want to bother you. You know, would you be open to this idea? And he's like, done. <laughs> you know, makes sense, done. And I said, okay, you should probably tell your crew. Um, so I don't put it out there and they go, uh, really? Are they just claiming that? Which would be part of the BS, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is rather like us. So <laughs> it's funny because we act like we're this big, tough group of like alpha gamers, dude. But we're totally not. No. <laughs> anyway, uh, nothing else. No other announcements out of me. All right. Random encounter. Random encounter. So you posted a couple things up there, Brett. Yeah, I want to throw a happy Canadian Thanksgiving to Mo Tusano and others. That was back on November thirteenth. Eh? Um, eh? Yeah. So that's cool. Eh? Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm alienating our Canadian listeners. <laughs> You're totally. But Mo Mo's yeah. been one of those guys. He's promoted the. He's promoted our podcast. He's super cool on Google Plus. If you're not following Mo, he's the Canadian gaming god. Get out there. You know, follow him. See what he's up to. He's always got some good stuff. So happy Thanksgiving to all our Canadians. Yeah, and oh. for for the record, I Canadians are my favorite people. Like if you put all the huge um, global ever nationality, ethnicity, Canadians, I mean, you're you float to the top on my list. That's all I got to say about that. Well, there you go. And we also have a Thanksgiving coming up really soon for folks here in the US. So, I'm hoping people have a chance to get out with family, friends, whatever it is and have a good time there. So cool. What are you what are you thankful for, Brett? What am I thankful for? Gaming NBS. If it weren't for this, I probably no. Um, <laughs> oh, so you're not thankful about this. <clears throat> oh, I totally am. But if I'm gonna pick uh pick things, I would have to say, you know, the wife and five kids, things are going really well, everybody's healthy, happy. Grades are really good this year for uh for my kids, so that's really, really cool. Well, that's great. Um I appreciate your kids contributing to society in a positive manner. I so do I. They're not lighting fires or you know blowing anything up yet, so this is good. Uh, so shout out to Mr. Wayne Humfleet, uh, Humfleet, and I know Wayne hails from the beautiful state of Michigan. Uh, he posted to his stream on Google Plus, um, and and Wayne is no slouch on the social media. I mean, he's got this guy's got like seven thousand followers on on Google Plus. Most of them are probably. Very good. A lot of them are gamers, honestly. And then he also put it out to he's a moderator of the um, tabletop RPG community. And in the discussion, he posted out to about 13,000 gamers about the podcast. So, Wayne, thanks so much for the support. Really, really appreciate it. it you know, it's the little things like that that doesn't take a lot of effort that really helps us get um, into the spotlight. And frankly, if people listen to us and they don't, they don't care for our style, that's cool. But at least they had the opportunity to give us a shot. So thank you so much. So if you're a gamer, um, if you're a gamer, Wayne's a veteran. Uh, he's a big Star Wars buff. 
Um, he's consumer of fine, fine beers, and that's all from his profile. So um, follow Wayne on Google+, and uh, I'll have a link in the show notes. He's also at Lum Runner on Twitter, and that's L-U-M as a Michael Runner um, on Twitter. I know he doesn't post as often to, to Twitter, but um, yeah, follow Wayne. Good guy. He also has, he also does some RPG. I think he does some, I don't know if he does publishing necessarily, but he's got a two or three guys that he does some work with. And I, I don't recall the brand, but um, you know, follow Wayne for sure. And that's, I just want to give credit where credit was due. Oh, absolutely. One of the cool things is I, I mentioned this last time, you know, when somebody comes up and says, Hey, I, I, I'm so-and-so from Facebook. I'm so-and-so from Google plus or whatever it is, or, Hey, I follow you <clears throat> excuse me, on Twitter or whatever, or I read your blog. That's just really cool. And when you hook up with guys like Wayne and you watch his feed and Hey, he's going to Gen Con. Hey, he's going to game hole. Hey, he's going to this other thing. If you happen to be there as well, you can reach out and say, Hey man, I, you know, we comment back and forth a lot. I like to be able to shake your hand and say hi in person. You know, it, it's it's a really good way. Gaming is a social activity, right? And it's just a really good way to reach out. And even before you get to that convention or that gaming meetup or whatever it might be, you already have friends, you know, from uh, hanging out with these guys virtually through Google Plus and so on. So it's it's always worth tracking the good gamers and seeing what they're up to. Thanks for being a friend. Don't ever do that again. Thank you for being a friend. <clears throat> Stop. I hate that song. All right. So I think we're done with the preliminaries. Let's get into the meat of the show. Mistakes were made. That's the title that Brett was so graciously uh, able to put down on the episode. Brett, what what does that mean? I want to talk about we've um, for these past couple of times we've talked about conventions and you know tips tricks. Obviously, mean that you, you can't talk gaming without talking about that type of thing. And <clears throat> excuse me, for me, one of the things that I don't want to focus on solely is, hey, I do this awesome thing. You all should do this awesome thing, too. Um, but a lot of times I got to the awesome tip trick or Sean figured something out because we screwed up at one point. There's been something that we've done uh, either behind or in front of the screen, if you will, that has been a mistake. And um, I want to kind of talk about things I've done wrong. I'm sure Sean is near perfect and has done nothing wrong. No, but, no. Um, just ask no. my wife. <laughs> yours too that's awesome i think she'll point out one thing one yeah okay but anyway i kind of want to go through that if you're um if you're up for that sean i'll uh, i'll be happy to kick it off and uh fly my failure flag first hey man when in rome <laughs> all right here we go <clears throat> so <clears throat> one of the key one of the things i did i did this once and um I'll never do it again. Was I? Uh, I GM'd angry. I had a really, really, really <laughs> super shitty day. Right? Don't. And I. That's like the ground. GM angry. Ground don't do it. It's exactly. It's Groundhog like, Day. Don't drive angry. Don't it's drive like Groundhog angry. Day. It totally is. <laughs> but I, it, in all seriousness, though, folks, is that I get. I got to the game and I had had a horrible fucking day and I did not want to game. I didn't want to, but I had four guys, five guys, excuse me, that really wanted to play something. I should have said, you know what, guy? I'm on in it. I don't care. I really don't want a game today. I don't want to run. Could somebody else run? Can we play a board game? You want to play poker? You want to do something else? Um, drink beer and complain? Um, I just don't want to run. And I'm like, nope, <clears throat> I got to run. I have to do this thing. If I don't run, this is going to be bad. And I was a complete ass. The group was like, wow, this is like butchery. <laughs> you know, it was. I'm normally not the quote unquote killer GM, but you know, it, 
bad rule calls. I didn't want to be there. Everybody could tell. At the end of the game, my uh, my buddy Chris and um, and and Doug, those two guys, they came up like, dude, you didn't have to run tonight. I mean, it, you know, if you had that bad a day or whatever. I'm like, well, you know, I kind of felt you needed it. <laughs> and Chris looks at me and goes, dude, it, it, he said, if you're not feeling it, we're not going to feel it. Just don't. Just say you don't want to do it. It's a small thing, but it's kind of that <clears> – <throat> If you've got a bad attitude going into it, I, if you can't fix that, sometimes it's best just to bow out. And I've done that before where people have said, hey, you want a game tonight or we're going to do this, whatever, and had a fight with something at work. My wife and I are having a problem dealing with something. I got an issue with the kids or whatever it is. Yeah, I could sque- <clears throat> excuse me, step away from that and go game. Sometimes it's great to step away and get into that. But other times, for me personally anyway, I can't just let certain things go. And it's easier to say, you know what, guys, let's just reschedule. I apologize, have to bail on you, but I got to do this other thing first, and that's cool. So you you GM'd angry, but I don't understand why that would be a bad thing. Help me understand why that was a bad thing, Brett. <sighs> why is it a bad so, thing? So <clears throat> no one had any fun. Let's put it that way. Well, no one you, at the table had fun. Were you a complete jackass? I mean, is absolutely, that, absolutely, well, I was. You were. What, what, I was what a did total you do? To, what did you do? That made you a complete jackass. I don't. I don't understand. Help, help me understand this. <laughs> All right. So um, I, I don't do the same things. I see. Okay. Did you? Did you kill people? Did you like? Um, I throw just dice beat, at them. No, I. Uh, from a character perspective, uh, creativity. If I thought, you know, how sometimes someone will come up with an idea, I'm like, that's just fucking stupid, and they'll look at me like, what, what? <laughs> I'm like, that's dumb. That'll never work. Why are you doing that? It was a very confrontational, in-your-face type of attitude. Yeah, the look you're giving me right now was the look they gave me. Like, what oh, the hell, dude? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it was, it's kind of bad attitude stuff, right? Hey, I'd like to try this thing. That's dumb. That doesn't work. Try something else. Awesome. Whoa, easy, Brett. You know, <laughs> where's that at? We're just, we're friends trying to game. What are you doing, man? You know? Hilarious. It's kind of like, you know, playing a playing poker with some of your friend and then just start screaming at him because he, you know bluffed and won or played a hand poorly or something like that. It's just having that bad attitude, table flipping, prick feeling that nobody likes to be around. It just, it made the whole evening unfun. So note to self, if Brett invites you to game, make sure when you show up, you ask him if he's angry or not. (laughs) It helps. And he wants the game in a positive (laughs) manner. Well, it's like anything else, right? I mean, if you're going to go hang out with your friends or whatever it is and you're just pissed off and you really don't want to be anywhere, maybe not show up to your like social thing and uh, be the guy in charge of said social thing and also be a complete prick. It's probably not a good idea. So Because I did that and it didn't work. That And that's good advice, I think, right? Something, hey, the more you know. Exactly. All right, Sean, give me one. What have you got? So getting impatient with players, I think, for some reason, I I tend to get that that way sometimes. And I think in episode one, I mentioned about the metagaming thing. But, um, you know, I want to get things moving along. And I think sometimes I play with players that, um, not all, but some of them will be, you know, analysis paralysis. Um, And sometimes I don't mind doing something and putting out a scenario or a situation and they have to sit back and actually plan, right? That's understandable. Like, how are we going to achieve this? A lot of mission-oriented games, like, get into that, like Shadowrun. You can throw something out there. The gamers or the players will have to come up with something. And it may take them an hour or two hours just to hash all that out. And that's cool. I don't I don't mind that. But it's like, dude, you are a fighter. You, are, you have not hit, taken one hit point. These guys are, you know 
firing missile weapons. They're starting to pick off some of your crew. You don't know what to do. I don't get it. Just go, you know, attack, attack, go in there and freaking bash their faces off, you know, um, him and Han, which I do. And, and, and this is, and I'm not talking about new players. I'm not talking ones that don't know what to do. I'm talking about veterans that I've gamed with for 20 years on and off that get to a situation. They're like, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, just come on, man, make, make something happen. Do something. So, so what do you, what do you do to pull them out of that when they're just waffling like crazy? I do. I do. I do, you, I do almost know. this, this tactic. I'm like, Hey man, you know, or Hey woman, I don't want to say hey woman. Now there goes our list. There goes our three list female listeners. One. Oh shit. Um, but I say, hey, go. You're a fighter. You think you can take them? You know, go up there and bash their face off. And you know what? If they do it cool enough, I'll give them a bonus. You know, like I want you to do that. And I wouldn't steer you wrong. I mean, if I if I was a GM, and that would be dangerous. And it's just, and I mean supremely dangerous. The supreme, the supreme expert, level level. Of <laughs> okay, danger. Real, really bad. You're gonna die if you do this. If you're gonna, yeah, you're I would tell the player that I'm like, look, if you do this, you risk getting really bashed. You know, you, you flattened, death flattened. You know, you're done, toast. So come on, let's be fair. And the person's gonna know. Like, if you were a person and you're told to run across the interstate you're going to know it's dangerous and you could die if a car So basically you. if you if you throw advice at them like they're waffling a bit like look dude fighter man you could totally charge across there with your movement your armor class you haven't take a lick of damage you got 100 hit points man you could get over there brother and with your great cleave lay waste all the goblins oh cool cool cuz <clears throat> you are not going to give him tactical advice say, ah too bad i lied to you now you're dead ha ha you didn't see the invisible troll motherfucker you know, that's not, <clears throat> yeah well that's not what we're gonna do so that makes sense when you start to feel the impatience turn it into a creative um saying hey i got an idea for you you want to try this even if he doesn't do exactly what you said he or she may say oh i like that but i'm gonna do a tumble or i'm gonna attack this other thing instead of that thing because sometimes it's hard to tell what that person might be waffling on. Yeah. You know, if it's a group of monsters or different tactical options in front, they may be weighing something in their mind that they're just not articulating um, out loud to you. Right. So when you throw something at them, that might just jar them back into that reality and make them do something. And I may give them an, I may give them options. Like, hey, here's here are some of the things you can do. You can run into battle and you can smash this guy's face in. Or you could stay where you are and seek cover and maybe hope to get an advantage the next round you could defer and wait for one of your buddies to do something that allows you to, to, to make whatever you want happen. Or you could do this, you know, those are kind of your options that I would lay out in front of them. And then usually they'll come up with something, but I'm like, dude, you gotta move this thing along here. But anyway, so that's one of them. That's one. There you go. Now, one of the other ones I've done and I've uh, caught myself doing this a couple different times. Uh, The first time I did it, my buddy Lenny called me on it. Is I do this over explanation thing. You talk in cir- talk in circles. Kind of. It's like there's this really cool mood or atmosphere or something I'm trying to invoke, and I was describing what it felt like. It was a Call of Cthulhu game. I'm trying to describe the feeling, the atmosphere, and I kept going and going and going. And Lenny looked at me in Lenny's most politest, "You're my good friend" tones, and said, "I get it." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> wow." 
I just spent like 10 minutes explaining the same damn thing. No, And, you, I, you know, you, you pan across the room and everyone's just glazed eyes going, please shut up, please shut up. We want to talk in the game here. This isn't Brett talking about the noir-like setting. I, I get it. Move on. So you're, try, you're trying to appeal to every per, every p- player character's senses, like sense, right? Sensory perceptions. It smells like this. It's dark. You get the chill of the goosebumps up your arms. The weight of the air falls upon you. Yeah, you, you can totally, you can totally go crazy on it. I mean, what, what you know, it's it can be far too much. Even background settings, whatever it is, you look at your old. Old school adventures like the backgrounds, three, three paragraphs, a small little blurb. It's something just that's evocative but short and gets it rolling. <clears throat> so what I've tried to do kind of um, uh, post that is I do short blurbs. I look at the group and say, does that make sense? If I'm thinking I want to talk more about this, but I think they might have it, I just physically ask them as game master player, <clears throat> excuse me, does this make, do you guys get it? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, totally. I, yeah, I get it. And I look for the ver- visual cues from the group that, they're just about to raise the hand. They're just about to open their mouth, ask the next question, or do something. They've grabbed the dice. They're scoping their sheet to figure out what they're going to do. You know, stop talking then and pass the light back over. Because sometimes it's when, as a game master, we're oftentimes passing the spotlight to the different players. And sometimes it's really nice to have it on you. So that was it for me. Like, hey, I get to be narrator guy, storyteller dude. This will be fun. <clears throat> I'm setting this great mood and isn't this sexy. And everybody <laughs> when Lynn looked at me and said, I get it. Like, oh, yeah, I should have shut up about five minutes ago. And that's just, it's part of it maybe of my own social awkwardness at that point. But if nothing else, watch the room is what I do. And if I think I've got it nailed, I kind of look and say, you know, does that make sense or, or whatever based on the, the thing I'm describing. But I kind of limit my explanations and try to crush it to get more of that uh, Ernest Hemingway, if you will, that, that newspaper writer quick. Five words in a sentence, bang, 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 everybody gets it. Well, I get I get the Cthulhu piece, and I think people that have run that specific game or genre get, can totally, I could see them like going into every, and it smells like this, and you feel, you know, and you just go into a whole tirade of stuff. Um, but I get it, yeah, absolutely. Totally, man, totally. It's a small thing, but when you, if you do it, Makes the players feel like they're second fiddle. Well, it makes right? it sound like, dude, we aren't. <clears throat> we're not stupid. We're we get not, it. Right. We're not complete idiots. <clears throat> well, wait a minute. Yeah, you are. Hold on. I got some more. <laughs> I got some more. Did you realize his bootlaces are, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but anyway, again, though, anything, the player's the most important thing at the table, right? The play, Or I should say the characters and the players. They're the, the character's the most important thing in That's the world. That's debatable. Bah. Anyway, the point is, is if I make my setting more important. Uh, I take more time on my setting descriptions and so forth. And I give to you as the player to actually interact with the setting. Interacting with the setting is also evocative and you get all these other things. I don't need to read you the entire, you know, write up in my head or on my paper about this. You just need to get the the nuggets so you can move on, start interacting and you'll figure it out. With you, with you, with you. All right. You're up. Uh, ensuring things are communicated properly. Right? How many GMs have done this? Okay, boom, trap. You know, give me a save. What do you mean? Well, you you fell into a trap. Well, where's the trap? Well, it's when it's in the room. Well, I didn't go I in. Didn't the go room. in the room. I didn't, I didn't go, go in the room. room. I didn't say I went in the room. Well, yes, you did. 
No, no, no. I said I looked in the room. <clears throat> so the communication piece, especially if you're doing theater of the mind and people aren't understanding where they are or not communicating it, and then you kind of have to roll it back, it really kind of sucks. So I would say one of those things about – and that's why I ask a lot of questions, especially if I'm doing theater of the mind, right? Okay, even if it's not, even if it's miniatures, okay, your miniature is where it's at where you are. No. Okay, well, where are you? I'm over there. Then put your freaking mini down, you know, over where you are. Just so I have a reference so that when I do put the big kibosh down on you, I know the reason why, or you will know the reason why. So that's a big one. You know, it's, and that's just like, okay, you tell me where you are. Um, okay. Are you in the doorway or outside the doorway? Have you walked in yet? No. Okay. Well, how, okay. I, you know, here's a good one too. Before I go off on a tangent is I go up and scout. So when you subplay, one, some people will say, well, how far do you go up to scout? It's actually mm-hmm. not on the person that's going up to scout. It's actually the people behind them. Right, they dictate the distance. The scout doesn't dictate the distance. Think about it. You think about it, Mister Hunter Man. When you go out in the woods, and you're going to go out and scout, because I know if you're a hunter, you should be scouting. Of course. And you, so, if you run up there, you don't like run up there and go, "Okay, I'm up here. I'm 50 feet ahead." And you stop. You keep going. So, if I'm behind you and I want to keep up with you, I determine how far up you go. Before I set that interval. Oh, so I go, I start walking forward. You decide I don't want to be any further than 20 yards away. So I keep 20 yards off Brett's tail. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, get that. yeah. So going into the communication piece is like really understanding, like clarifying and making sure everybody's on the same page. And I, I think that's really easy as a GM to um, not do properly. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I've had that happen all through when I first started playing in high school and or even like, you know, back when I was in third grade and stuff, you start playing. You have an image in your head as a player and you say, I do this thing. And if the game master doesn't regurgitate back to you saying, okay, I get, you know, everybody says what they're going to do. <clears throat> One of the things I've started doing over the years is if I've got five, eight players or however many are in the room, Sean says X, Lenny says Y. Uh, Susan says this, Tabby's going to do this thing. And I go back through, okay, let me make sure I got this straight. You're doing this while that's happening. You're stepping in here. You're doing this. And I recount everything. And when I see the heads nodding and it's that opportunity for them to say, no, 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 I changed my mind. I'm like, well, no, you really can't because of this. And so you have that quick back and forth. But then I sum everything up. This is what's going on. Great. Boom. This is what happens. Then we move the minis if we're doing minis. Or if it's theater of mind, then I say, okay, this is what occurs immediately after the thing that I just summarized happens. It's just another way to – that's something I actually I learned. Something uh, fun from corporate America that I learned is that when you get agreement around the room, um, you're going to get a hell of a lot farther. So at some point, everybody says their piece. You bring it back out say, this is what's going down. Good. All right. Excellent. Here's what happens next after all of those things occur. And then everybody has that opportunity where they've said yes to you. And if they say, oh, no, that's not what I meant, the whole table goes, dude, you, you agreed. Sean laid it out, Brett. You, you can't back out now. You nodded. He gave us a shot. You said you're still going to do it. Something stupid happened. Your fault. In the art of a good GM, I really believe if you can do that without giving like a tell, 
when you're asking the questions. Like you don't want to, you know, there's a trap and it's right on the other side of the door. Which flagstone do you step on? Right. Right. Okay. So tell me how you're entering. You know, I mean, you kind of have to do it in a manner that doesn't give that stuff away. That's going to influence them differently. And frankly, you can kind of use that as a tool too, right? Like you could say, I mean, I've done that too. Like, okay, tell me the flagstone you're stepping on. Is it the one directly in front of you or is it the one off to the side? They're different colors. Do you turn on the dark, you know, do you step on the dark one or the light one? And then you can just get them paranoid as snot, right? Yeah. And then it doesn't mean anything. Like they could walk right down the middle of the hall, right down the middle of the room. And usually you'll get like, I'm a fighter. I walk down the middle of the room. Okay. Nothing happens. And then the other guy looks like, oh, I just wanted to be sure. One of the other things that you get to do too with that is if you keep the keep the summation, keep the questioning at the same tone, the same method every time. Where do you step? What do you do? This, this, and this. <clears throat> then everybody starts to get in the groove. They give you all the right data and so on. And when something occurs or if you ask a question slightly different, they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are you asking this, Sean? Oh, I might notice something. Is there a way I could check something? And it can help lead into it. But basically, keep your method of question and answer, if you will, the same. And when you summarize, summarize the same way. It's not like, okay, this, this, this. Oh, and then Sean's stupid idea and, you know, or whatever it is, you know. Run, run it by, make sure it makes sense, ask the back and forth questions in the same tone and um, cadence that you always do, and you'll have good results out of that. That makes sense. Had the same problem before. So my other one, my number three here, is I had a tendency back in my uh, hardcore white wolf days when somebody would say, I want to make a mummy, I want to make a this, I want to make a guy who hates everybody and never talks to anyone. I want to make a guy who has nothing to do with any story idea you want. I want to make, you know, super Wolverine, Lobo, killer, Superman, Hulk guy. And I'd be like, sure, make whatever you want. I had this weird point of pride that I felt if I let you do this, I would somehow be this amazing game master and be able to pull it all together. And wow, look, a cohesive story. Oh, my God, is that a bad idea? Um, When I did that, I would let whenever I let people do something incredibly crazy, it didn't fit any concept of what the whole group was doing. Didn't fit the story idea I laid out. Didn't fit the setting, anything. It was a wreck. Then it was kind of either find a way to kill that character, drive it away, ask him to remake it. This <laughs> It was basically a chain of events of, of bad because you're dealing with this ugly thing. And it's my fault because I told him he could do that. You know? Um, so what I started doing is telling people this is the type of story we're going to tell. These are the type of characters that make sense. Here's some acceptable backgrounds. Here's some races and various other things that will fit this story. Nothing else will. If you have a question or something I haven't thought of, you want to ask me why, hit me with it. But otherwise, <clears throat> this is your list. And the other thing I've done then is when someone decides that they're going to break the game anyway, um, they're going to, you know, only it's an all halfling game, but they make a halfling and um, still break the rules in some other quirky way. Or if they find a loophole, if you will, in my uh, layout, then, you know, the world is a real living, breathing place and uh, it will react badly to you when you do that. The rest of the players, um, their characters will then turn around and say, you're expelled. You're out of the group, you know, type of thing. We're we're not going to the dungeon with you because you're obviously chaotic evil. You detect as such or whatever the case might be. And um, yeah, we're a lawful party. So out. And I just let some of that stuff take its natural course if necessary. And then, I've used the, hey, you know, I told you at the beginning, don't make that character, dude. What'd you come to the table with that character for? You get that at all or no? Um, You know, I do. I do get a player. Uh, 
Jeff, I don't know if you're ever going to listen to this damn podcast, and if you do, great. But I always get Jeff, longtime friend, always wants to play something wacky. Actually, and his stuff isn't too wacky. It fits, but he's always got to have some goofy concept that he could probably incorporate into the game just by picking something that's, I mean, a base class, if it's a class-type system. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't get too many that are that would fit outside of the mold typically. And if I did, you know, actually I don't, I haven't run into it very often because I think some of the games that I run are pretty stereotypical games. So it's not like, you know, where, you know, if I ran say a modern game and ran it more like an X files where there was kind of some supernatural in there, maybe some um, craziness that could occur. I don't think my players I would stipulate like, hey, you guys are normal people, agents, whatever, or maybe I infuse them with something special and they, they did not, might not know about it. But I haven't had it go, go into something that's really kind of not going to fit. Well, even if you take some of the Call of Cthulhu games I've run over the years and you'll have um, a librarian, uh, an archivist, a wannabe alchemist, a professor, or, you know, these very academic, traditional um, Lovecraftian Cthulhu investigators. And somebody says, I want to be a professional boxer. Uh, I want to be a gangster. I want to be a sniper who's a gangster. I want to be ex-military or big game hunter or something. If the storyline you have set for that is all dealing with academia and uh, digging through moldy old tomes and, and finding out things man should not be meant to know in a library or on this campus, unless that professional boxer is also, you know, a PhD level anthropologist or whatever it is, or he used to be a professional boxer, got injured and is now retreated back to academia for whatever. I mean, just to be, you know, if you go too crazy off of that, then it just, it doesn't fit. And it feels like you're shoehorning this thing in and it just, it kind of breaks the setting to me, or I shouldn't say the setting, it breaks the atmosphere of the story that you're trying to do. And everybody else is kind of bought into this is what we're doing. And here this player comes with this character. That's really anachronistic to everything else. And uh, so, like I say, I basically say, look, this is what you get to do. Somebody comes in with an idea. I have them ask, tell me what their concepts are before they make the characters. And I say, yes, no, or almost, but how about we do this other thing? That's a good idea. How about we change it in this other direction and see what we can do with it. So I would, I would be, in that type of scenario with the boxer that you outlined, I would probably let them know that that's fine. They can play it, but they're probably not going to be engaged in a lot of the different scenarios or situations. Um, for instance, I mean, I could see where they're coming from. They're wanting to play a boxer because they want to be able to fight something. I'm yep, guessing, absolutely. right? I absolutely. Just, I'm yep, they want to be that one. They want to be the muscle. They don't. That they don't understand. Sense. Yeah, they don't want to be the intelligent, you know, researcher person. Now, if your game isn't going to incorporate those things, then you let them know that, and then let them make the choice. And then when they're bored out of their gourd, let them make a, a different character. Um, and I, I wish. So I've been in campaigns where the GM does not tell you that, and you play a character. Say it's really heavy undead, and you're going to play a cleric, and you're not sure. You didn't know that it was going to be heavy undead. And in some systems, a cleric can be, doesn't have to be undead oriented. They can be just a holy person that maybe they bash faces. Well, if the, the party's going to you know rely on this, usually it's the cleric that has the powers to deal with the undead and you don't 
build that cleric to deal with the undead and you have a butt ton of it in your campaign, you had a pretty big disconnect. So I think, you know, I've had players and I'm like, man, if I'd known that this was going to be a fight campaign all the time, I wouldn't think of a character concept that is ethereal. Yeah. I mean, so this is a nonstop dungeon crawl surviving by the skin of our teeth, John McClane getting your ass beat every two minutes. And I made a cleric who really doesn't specialize in healing. He's uh, the utility guy. He has buff spells. His He's not of the healing god. He's not a protection deity. You know, I just wanted to make a guy who wasn't quite like that. He memorizes more of other things and gets really annoyed when he always has to cast, you know, healing spells or whatever it is. Or he doesn't have, he's not big into undead or like you said. I mean, then you, it's a communication thing kind of to your other point is that when you see those character concepts or whatever it is, just make sure you're talking to the players <clears throat> again, as from the game master side of the screen, just saying, "Hey, be aware that this type of character won't have a lot to do if he's a boxer on a university campus. If he's the guy who hangs out with the professors <clears throat> and is their muscle, if he likes being that support guy who's used to loom and act threatening and what whatever to help them get information like that when needed at the local tavern, fine." But lay out for them the type of interactions they're going to have if that thing is outside of the thing being the character is outside of what is would normally fit the scenario. That way they can accept like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I don't mind being the support guy. Sure, I'll be the cleric. I don't mind just healing people left and right and really not fighting because that's fun for me. Or they get to say, you know what? I didn't realize this was going to be that heavy occult investigation. Boy, my ex-Navy SEAL, um, it just isn't the right kind of guy. I want to dig into something else because I want more limelight. I want more fun. So, right. All right, back to you. All right, so not allowing the yes and. So if you haven't heard of this principle when you're GMing, it's always yes. You know, so so when somebody asks you a question, it's the ability to say yes and this happens, or yes and this is near you, or yes and you can do this. Um, and some would argue that you do the yes but, right? Yes but this may happen or yes, but you see this coming down the road or what, or, and down the road, whatever. So one thing I've been really conscious of is enabling that. And I think I've done it really well, especially at con games, because, you know, frankly, if they come up with something, I just want them to be able to do it unless it's completely off the road and it's going to break the entire game for the, you know, the whole four hours, three hours. Um, but yeah, yes. And this happens and yes, and you can duck undercover or what have you. So making sure that's, and it's not, I don't think that's like detrimental to the game because I think you can GM without doing that and still have an effective game and everybody have a fun time. But I just want to be able to empower more of the players that way. It's a very simple way to be positive. Yeah. Yes, but isn't negative. The but is negative. Yeah, Sean, it's a good idea, but you didn't think about the fact that it's, not never applicable and blah, 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 or yeah, but <clears throat> it's a negative thing. It's a downbeat. And you take that concept of yes and, oh, yes, and you also see this other thing happening. You can still turn it into the negative. Right. I dodge across the road, rolling so I miss the dump truck. Yes, you do that. And you also notice that there's a Corvette coming at you. Oh, crap. You know, make another roll. Ah, crud, I didn't see that or whatever the case is. But it turns that. Negative downbeat of, okay, you can try that, but something horrible is going to happen into, all right, you did that thing or you want to do that thing. Totally cool that, and this other thing is going to happen too. How do you want to react to that? So I like that. I've, I've been, um, thinking about that more. I was listening to a 
Robin, uh, Ken and Robin uh, podcast a while back, and they were talking about that. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, I think I do it to a point, but let me see if I can amp up my usage. And I, I'm kind of liking the results. So it's working pretty well for me, too. <clears throat> the other one I have, my last one, is not dealing with a problem player because it didn't want to hurt their feelings. Oh, well, that's it's, it's, that's okay, though, right? So I either, I either GM angry or I'm a real just wuss and I don't right. want to anything, <laughs> like, right? So I'm either awesome. flipping the table, hitting everybody with clubs, or I just want to make sure you feel good, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> you okay? Want me to rub your feet? Um. <laughs> Tell me about your feelings. <laughs> exactly. No, I actually, I've had this a couple times. This is years back. It's not and, you, and, it's me. Yeah, <laughs> that type of thing, right? But w- when someone's being a dick or they're just being terrible, rude, obnoxious, uh, combative, uh, rules lawyering, driving, cheating. I've had cheaters at the table before who drove people bananas. And not dealing with it in one way or, you know, however you want, that's a whole other discussion we can have. But just refusing to deal with it because I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I have to call out the fact that they're doing this bad, bad thing. And I know they kind of don't mean it. And -and so-and-so is really nice, blah, blah, blah. And what that did was it just fostered bad feelings between the player and me, actually, because they're acting out or up or whatever thing you want to say on it because they're unhappy with something. And then they get more and more pissed off. And the rest of the group gets more and more pissed off. And next thing you know, I got eight men and women at the table who are all pissed off. You know, just because I chose not to act correctly and and do something about it. So it's one of those pieces that if you have the problem, <clears throat> whatever it is, just deal with it. I know it might be uncomfortable or whatever the case is, but find a way to, you know, do the research, you know, uh, check other sources and how to, how to deal with the person or the event or whatever it is, but do something with it. Don't just sit there and say, well, it'll fix itself because the shit never fixes itself, man. Yeah. Um, so it- this is going to be kind of real life weird tie into gaming, right? So I live in a, a townhouse and my, I, it's, uh, what's a townhouse? I'll define that. It has its own entrance and a little courtyard. And then I've, I'm part of a bigger building and the building has four units on one side and four units on the back side. And there was a point in time where I have a neighbor on my back wall because I'm on an end and so he would play stereo loud all the time. And at one point, um, I think I went over there or I, st- I didn't go over there at first. And then a, I think I ran into him on the sidewalk and introduced myself and said his name happened to be Toby. He's kind of a younger guy. And I said, hey, Toby, you know, my name's Sean. I, you know, live right behind you on this, on this side, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, nice to meet you. And I said, hey, but what do you do, right? Are you a student? Do you, you know... Uh, where do you work? And blah, blah, blah. Made small talk. Okay, hey, talk to you later. Good to know you. Whatever. So then the next time he plays his stereo and it ticks me off, now it's different. Toby's no longer a stranger to me, right? So I can go over there and rap on the door and say, oh, hey, Toby, it's Sean. Hey, oh, hey, how's it going? Hey, yeah, that stereo, a little bit too loud, man. Can you turn it down just a bit? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that don't like conflict and they don't, and I completely get it, but there's a different dynamic. So I'll take that over into the table. So, so to RPGs, if you get a group that can, you know, call each other assholes with knowing that you're really not being serious can really help nip that stuff in the bud. Because I think if you get into 
where you you're you you don't know that or you're not into that relationship can make that situation pretty awkward. And I think con games are really probably come up because nobody knows anybody at the table and you kind of got to pick this guy out of a you know group of strangers and pull him aside and say look dude you're being a dickhead and and if you keep doing this i'm gonna have to get somebody from the con or or even just call the con guys over to get them off the table i don't know there you have i mean there's uh tim cask one of the old uh, luminaries of uh, ad&d fame he was running a a game at gary con i believe it was he put a post up about this guy who was just being complete ass like in his face six inches away telling him he didn't know what he was doing and he was totally wrong on this rule. And Tim's response was, I wrote that rule. I think I know how it works. Um, and he eventually just told the guy to leave. He's like, you want a refund? Whatever, go talk to the guys that can't. I'll be happy to give you your money yourself type of thing. It was just, he had to kick the guy out. Now, <clears throat> I don't, again, we could we could digress in the whole how do you deal with problem players. But the point is, is don't just let it fester. Don't just let it sit there. Do something with it. The sooner you, you uh, do something, Say, hey man, don't no 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 no. We we don't we don't game like that here. Or <clears throat> no, the game's not like that. Let's let's be serious, people. You know, when the Monty Python starts coming out and one too many, oh, it's an African swallow. You know, enough of that crap. Pull it back, and you can stop stuff before it gets stupid. And that one person who thinks he's a stand-up comedian, you can stop him. One person who is overly whatever, whatever the case is, <clears throat> excuse me. You can always try to tone it down as soon as you see it happening. Do something with it, either. The yes and, the yes but, even approach to that type of thing. But again, just taking it down and stopping it before it gets to be a problem. Don't let it fester, man, because I've done it and it did nothing but cause uh, angst and heartache in my group and it was not fun. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's absolutely right. And, and even good buddies are hard to come across with something or something, you know, in a game setting, something happens and it's tough to just bring it up on the spot. Definitely bring it up sooner than later. Um, not asking the players exactly what they want to get out of the game. So a lot of this is, I mean, a majority of the stuff that we talk about, Brett, has to do with like social contract. Like, what are our expectations? You know, how are, how is the players characters going to mesh? And so this one is, um, I think I have a bad habit of just saying, okay, roll up some characters. And then we're just going to run with this scenario without actually considering what does the player actually want to get out of the game? Like if I have a player who is just all about kicking ass and taking names and I have another player that's like, dude, I'm all about the role play and I want to get into situations where I don't roll a single die an entire session. If you don't know that, you're going to get somebody out of those two that probably aren't very happy or completely satisfied with the game itself. And I think that's one of the things that I don't do well enough. Um, and I don't think it breaks the games necessarily, but it, man, talk about if you could hit both, right? Oh, absolutely. One of the things I've I've done to help get that, to improve on that, is where I'll say... This is the game I want to run, and this is the type of thing I think would be a lot of fun for us to do. Lead off with the, this is Brett's perspective, and this is what Brett wants to get out of it. I'm going to run the game. I think this would be a lot of fun. A sales pitch, if you will, the elevator speech. And then I turn around and say, and what do you guys think about that? Does that even sound fun to you? Because if it's not, I got another thing in the wings, or we can totally change this up. 
Sean, what do you think? Do you want to go into the Great White North and, and slay the, the worm that's been living on Thorbrandor's treasure or whatever the case is? <clears throat> and you can say, well, you know, I, we've killed 15 dragons, Brad. I really don't give a shit about dragons anymore. I'd much rather deal with something else. I can say, oh, okay, good point. Let me take a step back or come back with a different idea. But then, <clears throat> and it's not that you're not necessarily building consensus per se where everybody votes and says, hey, I don't want this. Or maybe a group does that. But the point is, is that if you don't know how to start this conversation, one way to do is, again, it's communication, communication, communication. You know, even, you know, jamming angry, communicate. Just tell people what's going on. But the players say, well, I know your idea of Sean sounds really good, but I really want to do more of, um, you know, a dungeon uh, world thing. I really don't like D&D anymore. Oh, okay. Does everybody else feel like that? Yeah, okay. Well, you know what? I don't mind Dungeon World. Or you could say, you know what? I really don't like it. I don't know the rules. I have this beef with it, whatever it is. Could we try Fate? Could we try Savage Worlds? Could we try something else? And then <clears throat> you can work with it. Because, frankly, if you're don't, if you too much of a dictator on it, one way or the other, you're going to get blowback. And then people aren't going to have fun. And that's part of, again, as you said, social contract things. You're going to sit there. You might as well at least ask them what they want. You know, a good way to start eliciting it. Uh, from my perspective, is to say what you want to do as the game master, the guy running the game, so that they go, oh, yeah, I'm in with that. That could be fun. Let's try that. Or they can give you some feedback. You could tweak it around. Well, I think that what you're saying, too, is if you have people at the table that are wanting to play Dungeon World or Fate and they're tired of a particular game, why? what is making them t- – what are they tired of? What is the really – what is the root cause of what they're bringing up? Why do you want to play Dungeon World? Help me understand that. Is it just a game you haven't played before and you're curious as to how it runs? Or is it because you've heard that it facilitates X, Y, and Z, and the game that you're currently playing only facilitates X, and you're hoping to get the Y and Z? Because you could potentially take some of those elements and implement it in the game, and you wouldn't have to change the game, and you would still have a awesome time. This is kind of what I did with my group, where we were playing Pathfinder really heavy for a long time. And the guy said, well, I ran in uh, an old school Osric uh, based game and they went, I like that. Let's do that. Let's do that in your Avalon world. Let's take something. I've said this before. We, we took the um, uh, some of the uh, lore finder, which was the <coughs> excuse me, the gumshoe stuff for Pathfinder and took some of that concepts and, and methods for investigating, layered that into an Osric game and they're loving it. It's been a lot of fun. But that was because of the discussion we had. Where the guys told me, the men and women in my group said, you know what, I'm sick of this, I want to do this other thing. I know it's similar, I get that, but here's a feel, here's a reason. We all went, okay, cool, let's do it. Let's see what happens. It's The group has told me the next game they want is more of a science fiction game. We haven't played one ever, really, and they really want to do one. Well, I'm cool with that, and that's something we can do. I've also said, you know what, I don't like running that, I'm not going to do that anymore. I've had a couple of people ask me, hey, could we run an old uh, a vampire game again? I'm like, not now. I'm not doing it. You Dude, guys want to do it? Fine. I'm you're kind of freaking it. snobby. I'm a, I'm a dick you're, that way. You're a fucking snob. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> no, not too bad. <laughs> Control <laughs> freak. A little bit. That's Well, it's my job. Uh, but anyway, um, being an IT project manager, I kind of have to be a control freak is what I mean by when I say it's my job. Anyway, pro- point being is that... <laughs> Talk to the players, communicate back and forth. I know it, it sounds super like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 just communicate. But there's multiple ways to do it. And if these are friends of yours and you're getting together to do something, there are many, many methods to do it. If you get together for a game night, you're like, look, I don't want to fuck up my whole game night by spending four hours talking about what we're going to do. 
That's why we have the internet, the emails, the Google Pluses, and all of that stuff. You can hash all this stuff out ahead of the game. You can lay out for the group saying, hey, guess what, guys? Got a new game starting. This is what I want to do. I'm going to run 5e, Minds of Fandelver. I'm using Roll20. Who wants in? Sean laid that out. People came up and said, hey, I'm in for that. I want to try this new thing. Off we go. And you laid that all out before the first session. So when people showed up, it was like, well, I don't like 5e. I don't want to do Fandelver. I want to do this other thing. I want to play, you know, Hobbits in Space or something. You don't. You didn't have that issue because all that shit was dealt with ahead of time. Right. Hobbits in Space sounds kind of fun. I should do that. Hmm. <laughs> the end of something there. All right. Maybe. So as player again, GMs, right? Talking GM stuff. So players. Um. So what is the one of the big mistakes? I think I have one. You have a couple. What are the what is the biggest mistakes or shortcomings that you do as a player? Um. <clears throat> one of the biggest things I, I remember doing. I don't get to play that often, and one of them is. I make player characters that don't necessarily fit. Kind of a complete contradiction to what I said. Wait, wait, wait. But wait I, a minute. I've done that. Wait a I've minute. done that. I've been that guy. I've done You're that thing where I'm like, this I, I'm is beginning it. to see what the deal is with you. <laughs> You're you your own worst enemy. I am totally my own worst enemy. So if you... so you, if you Anyway, point is... is so if you, were, would you, if you were running a game, would yeah. you want yourself as a player in that game? No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I just know I what. So what what happens is that I make a character that I think will be interesting, and it may or may not necessarily fit. And one of the reasons I do that is because I get bored fast. I'll be playing a dwarf, and everyone's like, "Well, I, I guess." I'm like, oh, "That's okay," because he won't last more than two sessions, and I'll get bored with him. I want to make a new one anyway. So I have like character ADD where I come at it and go, oh, I played that guy. Done. I want an alchemist now. <laughs> and that doesn't always work. A lot of game masters and players are like, dude, but you freaking stop that. I could see where that would not be the most fun. But I, I view them as, you know, Kleenex. They're soft, strong, disposable. I really don't care. And um, move in and, and do it for a while. And then, you know, well, he didn't seem to fit. Don't care. I'll make a new one. Doesn't bother me. And by taking that kind of lackadaisical approach to how the character is, I, I like him or whatever. The players and the game master in the group, that's a headache. So what I've decided to start doing going forward is picking something I think I can stick with long term. When I hit that boredom mark, is you know what, I'm going to power through the boredom piece. I'll sit back, try to retool the character itself, and saying, you know what, I don't like being the halfling thief anymore. I want to do the fighter. So I'm going to start doing more fightery stuff and see what I can do to make this, this person have a life-changing event. What can I do with this character to make it... <clears throat> change so that I don't feel bored anymore with it. And that actually has turned into a better challenge for me uh, from a player perspective. So that's how I'm kind of fixing my own problem. So I think um, with my side would be giving nothing to the GM to work with. You know, it's funny. When I talk about the GM stuff and then I go to the player stuff, I always go to the player stuff that would be like what I would want to see as a GM, which is kind of, asinine but nonetheless so i think one of my shortcomings is and i've seen this (laughs) i've seen this with players where they'll just be like up got my character here i'm ready to go entertain me okay i'm ready i'm ready gm i'm ready dm what do we got let's go let's go okay i'm i'm let's go What, what do you got i mean so i think giving them 
And I, you know what? I've also done this where I've had, ha, I've not been that person where I've fleshed out a character. I've put in some plot hooks or some NPCs in my background and the GM doesn't do anything with them. So then I'm kind of like, dude, I am giving you material here. Now, granted, I don't need the spotlight. This is, I'm spitting diamonds, man. I'm spitting diamonds. Where's my stuff? Shit, I'm shitting diamonds over here, GM. You're not picking a single one up. But I do think that uh, one of the things that I need to keep conscious of is if I play, uh, get a, or generate a character, that I put something in there that the GM can work with. And hopefully they'll take it. Well, the other piece to do with that is that if it's not being worked with, bring it up. I've had players do this to me where they have this cool background and I completely forgot that Zave's character was looking for somebody or had, <clears throat> excuse me, Chad had something he was looking for or was missing. And Tabby's done it too. And many guys, many men and women I've gained with. And they, and to me, one of the things that helps them get more satisfaction is they'll sit up and say, hey, I searched the bar. I want to see, this seems like the place where my lost uncle would hang out. That bastard owes me money or whatever. I look around to see if I see him. Oh, by the way, I usually do that because I'm always on the watch for that guy. Click, my brain went, oh my God, I can't for, I can't believe that Tabby has a lost uncle she hates and it was her money and I should have been keying on that. But that's the don't sit back and say, entertain me. When you're not getting what you want, go try to get it. <clears throat> Similar to the to my concept of I'm bored with the character, what can I do? Do something yourself, tweak it, make it work. And if you have a really cool background, start interjecting it where necessary Bring it up. Ask the game master, does this have anything to do with my grudge against the Thieves Guild? Does this have something to do with the fact that the, you know, the, um, the interstellar rangers are hunting for me or whatever the case might be? That just helps to take all those things that you dump points into or you got free points from, from backgrounds, and helps to make them real. You can bring that up. You don't have to sit there and say, well, it said in the rules, a game master is supposed to make every session something interesting happen. No, that's not necessarily how that works. There's a lot of you at the table that poor uh, man or woman game mastering for you. They have a lot to think about. It, it behooves you to help step up, ask them what they can do, ask them how you can interject your pieces of it. And you can do it in story too. <clears throat> so my last one is um, kind of, it ties into my problem players is I used to game with a group uh, years back and we had a couple people. One of them was just a rampant cheater. Um, another one was kind of like a verbal bully, just um, bad players in the group. And um, a number of us players, we would get together outside of it and we try to find ways to schedule the game when that person couldn't make it and try to work around them and this, that, and the other thing. And we would bitch that our uh, GM at the time wasn't fixing it. How come they're not doing anything to fix this? <laughs> it's a team sport, man. If I don't like it, I should have stood up at the table and said, Derek, stop. Just stop. You're being a dick. I've had enough. Just stop doing that. Yeah, there is. You know, if <laughs> if they want to get up and storm out, you know, whatever. But there's, I mean, again, there's many, many ways to confront somebody or bring up a, an issue. The point being is, it's not the game master's realm, and you're not breaking some taboo rule by, as a player, helping to deal with the problem. If there is a situation that you need to deal with, help. There's no reason not to. You know, sometimes the game master might not quite know what to do, or he or she may not even see it. Because, again, they've got five of you at the table. They're balancing different things. They're moving, moving. And there's one person who's just constantly doing something that's disruptive. You know, stop it. When you get one too many Monty Python quotes out of out of Bill, tell Bill to shut the hell up. Yeah. 
Should we go into die <laughs> you roll? Don't do that though, Sean. You just you just Sean just makes the game masters do everything. He's a dick that way. Yeah, man, I am totally there as a player, man. I retire my GM. I set my GM crown aside. <laughs> and I pull out my scepter of player player mode and nice. wait for the GM to to paint the picture for me and I say, "Hey, all right, I'm ready." All righty. You want to go into die roll? We should probably do that. We should probably do that. Die roll! The section of the show where we take two to four highlights of, of gaming and geekery and uh, talk about those briefly in a short fashion. Brett, you've got more than I do. Yep, I've got two. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> I have two. A, I just didn't document you do? mine. At least yeah. didn't document the other one. Yeah. Okay. Um, the first one is I'm going back uh, to the woods, to the woods where I saw those wolves, actually, oddly ah, enough. The wolf, See if pack, I could eat. wolf pack of one. Wolf pack of one. Uh, my son is coming up with me. We're going back to uh, Upper Peninsula, Michigan, and uh going to go hunt with my dad. So Connor gets to hunt with Grandpa and I, and we'll see what we can do. we got it all next week off. So we'll be hitting that, and that should be a good time. Hey, safety first, buddy. Of course. I don't have to be faster than the wolves. I just have to be faster than my old man, which isn't hard because he's got a bad knee. So I should be okay. And if you shoot the other one, he's got two bad knees and then you're really golden. Absolutely. <laughs> um, um, the other one I had. Oh, yeah, um, go ahead. We're not alternating. Oh, I got into the alternating mode. <coughs> we don't do that here, man. I know. Dude. God. So the second one I have is I, I call it Does Three Make a Collection? I went to uh, have lunch with my buddy Henry. He's one of you've met Henry. Henri, as I refer to yes. him as. He's one of my biker buddies. I have known Henry for 15 plus years. We used to game back in the day. We just don't have the time to get together now. Great guy. And, uh, you know, we're talking about different things. He and his wife don't, don't have any kids and, um, they're moving. And, uh, he noticed some pictures that I posted about my kids with the swords I bought from Albion, bought the swords I bought from Albion and, uh, how the smiles on their faces and stuff. So he's cleaning out things and we meet for lunch he goes hey i got something for you in a truck i'm like great you got that print i bought because he took a really cool photo of my wife and i on the motorcycle he's like yeah i got that oh i got something else and he pulls out a rapier he goes here you can have this i'm like what you're giving me a sword he goes yeah he said i don't need it anymore and your kids love this stuff and i need someone to carry this on i'm like oh okay <laughs> so apparently i'm collecting swords now and if anybody else really wants to hand me a sword i'll be happy to take it <laughs> i don't he, he's uh henry's one of those very unique uh, individuals who's genuinely genuine, uh, generous. He, uh, he's super nice. He's very, very, uh, if you're his friend and you need something, he will always take care of you. He's, he's an amazing guy. And uh, I'm not just saying that cause he gave me a sword. He's, he's always been a really good friend. He's a really good dude. So Henry, if you're listening to this man, I appreciate it. And I thank you once more. Thank you, sir. Now your turn, Sean. Yeah. So now he, now he has a reason to listen to us. Not like anybody else does. Well, some of them. Some of you do. All right. Uh, DreamWorks and Hasbro to merge. Did you see this article, Brett? I did not. I'm kind of interested in it. What is What, what do you got? So it, I saw it on ICV2, but the actual article, and then that refers to um, another article. But So DreamWorks Animation, which is the maker of some popular animated movies, um, where they were in talks about merging and Hasbro, as some of us know, um, owns wizards of the coast and wizards of the coast is a wholly, wholly owned subsidiary of Hasbro. So then there was kind of talks about, well, how would, how would this merger, 
impact the brand of D&D, good or bad. Hey, and think about that. Click on the link in the show notes. You'll get some more details. And then let us know what you think that may or may not do to the D&D game or brand. And, you know, obviously Hasbro has more than just D&D. But, I mean, really, let's face it. It's the only thing that matters to us, right? Absolutely. Maybe magic. But I don't know if any magic guys listen to this. No, they don't. Right. Most likely not. Right. They're probably RPG guys that play magic, but not really magic guys. No. So. All I can think of is a really kick-ass DreamWorks D&D movie that doesn't have um, the horrors of the last one. I think that's an oxymoron. I think the D... (laughs) I think the D&D movie of our time has been already done, and that's The Lord of the Rings. Okay, all right. We can, I, we can die. I that. don't think yeah, – we could sit here and debate this, but, I mean, let's oh, – we could debate it, but let's face the facts. The D&D movies, two of which I have not seen, so I'm kind of going off a recommendation here. And word <laughs> you're, of mouth. You're, you're a better man for not having seen them. Right. But I mean, let's face it. Those movies sucked. And the Lord of the Rings, I thought, kicked ass. And even if you didn't like them, they were, you got to say they were okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. And then number two, um, I think, is quite the freaking accomplishment. And if you've been living under a rock and you don't really get into this stuff. Um, and that happens to do with the um landing on the comet and i i oh yeah rosetta's mission team um the fillet lander that does not sound right and i'm sure it's like french or something it's the european space agency landed a freaking spacecraft on a comet and if you don't know i mean it's a small it's a rock flying through space they put a freaking thing on it dude not only is it flying through freaking space it's flying at thirty thousand miles an hour 300 million plus miles away and it took us three thousand days to make this happen i've seen an analogy and i was telling brett before we started the show i was i saw an analogy and I actually thought I posted it to my Google Plus, which I did not. And I'll put a link in the show notes. But I did post it to Twitter. It was similar to basically taking a rock, like a stone, probably not bigger than your hand, and tossing it the length of a football field all the way to the other end and trying to hit the left side, right? Not the whole thing, but the left side of a red blood cell. It's pretty freaking cool, dude. This is freaking cool. And if you're not into this shit, I don't care who you are. Stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> no, I mean, just the, <clears throat> I I don't know how to ex- explain the magnitude of it. it. It's it's like that whole, it's just things zipping through space and you shot at it and you hit it. I mean, it was lot, not like they bounced off, they missed it, it passed by. You know, direct hit type of thing. It's really, really cool. It's almost to me the uh, the Mars rover moon landings. I mean, th- those things are really cool. They're they're really, really interesting. But this is moving target through space, much, much smaller. And like you said, throwing a football, no, hundred yards. No, no, not a football. A stone. A stone. Much sorry, sm- much smaller than a yeah. football. Take a small stone, hit the left side of a red blood cell at the other end of the at the football p- field. That's a very good analogy. 
and, and I just the, the science that had to go into that and uh, those guys, the men and women who pulled it off, that's just fucking amazing. Yeah, and oh by the way, it was moving, and then they had to recalculate trajectories because of things that didn't necessarily go as smooth as they wanted it to. And just so you know, they use the old Star Trek slingshot method, right? So if you don't know about this, I forgot the the formal scientific term, but it's basically using the mass and the gravity of planetary, you know, planets and solar system, the sun, and using the gravity to go around a couple times to get enough propulsion to inter, you know, basically intercept this comet. And it took that that's why it took so damn long to make it happen. And then um, once it got there, there was a couple methods that you'd use to basically attach this thing to the comet. Now, if you were going to a planet, planets usually have a some type of gravity to them. So when you land on them, you kind of land. You you might be hard, but you'll stay. When you do that to a comet and you don't attach yourself, there is a chance that you will bounce right off that sucker. Well, it's like jumping it's, on a moving car, right? But but obviously bigger and faster. But jump on top of Formula One. Formula One racer is it zipping by you? Chances are you're gonna carry him right off that fucker, and you're just gonna land on the tarmac. You're not yeah. gonna stick. That's hard. That's really hard, dude. I'm I'm telling you. And so the if you haven't read about this, by all means, stop the podcast. We're almost done anyway, and just go read about this. It's fascinating. I cannot imagine the brainiacs that are assigned to this thing and making this actually happen. And then of course, why do we want to get on a comet? You know, and I'm talking to we're Brett and I are talking to probably some of the most educated folks out there, right? You are all Clearly, smart. Absolutely. People. Clearly smart and intelligent. So you guys get it, but there are going to be friends of yours that don't understand this. They don't get it. It's not in the news. They don't tune into this stuff, but you can slap them in the face and go, let me, really explain this to you at a level that you'll understand and you can use some of the analogies out there frankly i use them because i'm not that smart but i'm telling you it's phenomenal and why do we want to get on a comet that thing is going to tell us different things because it goes through space and it really is a uh, derivative of the origins of the universe so they can kind of really figure out what its composition is as it travels through space, how it originated, and may unlock some things that we were really unsure about. As a matter of fact, now it's landed. There's actually it's actually making noise, right? And people are like, "How does it make noise in space?" Well, it's using its magnetic shifts, and I read it and I listened to it. It's crazy and freaky, but it's at a certain frequency that they recorded, and it's really like the movements of uh, the magnetic forces, and it actually they actually captured it, and you can listen to that, and it's just I don't man, this shit is phenomenal. It's very cool. It is incredibly cool. When we were kids, there was no such thing as a cell phone, and now we actually throwing pebbles at comets and attaching them and pulling data off of it. That's that's pretty fucking cool. So I just met with somebody that Brett and I know, um, and I was I brought this up, and he was like, "Yeah, we did this, but we haven't been to the moon." So I don't know. Maybe the moon's just not worth a shit. I don't know what it is. We haven't been to the moon. Is that what you just said? We've been, we haven't been to the moon again. Again, we okay. We haven't been <laughs> I'm back. Like, don't, we haven't, don't. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> we been back been, to the moon. We haven't been okay. back to the moon. We do this, but we haven't been back to the moon. Now I would say, have we been to the moon? I think it. I think it took place in Area Fifty One. Oh, suckers. all right. 
suckas Iceland <laughs> soundstage. It's all I'm saying. Otherwise, how come we haven't been back? Maybe it's just, I don't know. It's not worth it. But we sent a freaking spacecraft 300 million miles away and landed on a goddamn comet. That's awesome. It's got to it's got to give us more shit than the moon did. The moon moon you're dead to me. In more ways than one. You're dead to me, moon, you're dead. Fucking moon. Just make the tides go and fuck off. Okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I think we need to wrap this up. We're getting weird, man. Yeah, we are. And I am sorry. I just my passion came out of me and I'm not even a big amateur astronomer or anything. I just think that when humans do something crazy and I told Brett when you go into your project management meetings, you take this little thing that says, this is what we did as human can't, hu- humankind, and you can't get a project done in six months or a year. You you got yeah. something wrong going on. You can't build five VMs in a week. What the hell is wrong with you? I landed. We did this. How come you can't do this? What's right. wrong with you people? Right. Salad. It is. So, again, thanks for tuning in. This is another episode of Gaming and BS. I am your co-host, Sean. And I'm Brett. Thanks all. Good game and good night. <laughs>